Hey everyone, before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know um, a little bit of a content warning. Um, we do talk heavily about diet culture. Um, also, uh, in this podcast, we talk about uh, harassment in the workplace. Um, at the beginning, there is a brief mention of two deaths, um, one by cancer and one by a shooting. Um, and we also talk about pregnancy complications. So if you're feeling sensitive to any of those topics today and you need to skip this episode, that's absolutely okay. Come back when you're ready or, you know, just it's okay to totally skip it if it's just not for you today. So uh, I hope that you enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey hon, it's me, Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of From Huntsy Humans. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, as you guys might have heard in the last episode, this is going to be my last episode before I take my break for a little bit, and I don't know when I'll be back. Um, I know that no matter what, I will have at least one more episode um, as like a finale. Or I might just come back in full swing. We're not, I'm not really sure. We're going to see where this break leads me. Um, also, uh, if I think at this time, is the survey still open? No, the survey is not open. So if you haven't done the survey, you're too late. But if you want to register for the MLM conference, the link will be in the show notes. Um, and you'll get to watch it virtually. It's on a Monday in March. Um, I should know that day by now, but I don't, it's Monday the 13th. Um, so if you want to watch it, please feel free to register. And if you can't watch it because you're working, um, there is usually a, a replay or a video or something where you can watch it. And that's awesome because you can, if you only want to watch certain sections of the conference, you'll be able to kind of skip around to like, see who you want to talk um I know that the FTC will be there doing a section um there's a bunch of us from social media that are going to be there so like me Roberta and some other people that you guys might know but you know we're we're your two podcasting people so um but other really great people and creators in the space that have contributed a whole lot 
So um, yeah, go and check it out. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm here with Maggie and I'm so excited because we're going to be talking about how like Maggie went from being in pageants to being in multi-level marketing companies. And I'm sure that most people listening have the same instinct that I have, which is, ooh, you jumped from one frying pan to another. <laughs> so hi, Maggie. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So what I normally start with, like what introduced you to MLMs, but I really want to know what introduced you to pageants because that's where your story starts. Yeah. So in college, I was the epitome of hustle culture and Uh, so in college, I was the epitome of hustle culture and undiagnosed ADHD. So um, like going into college, my entire goal was to have a perfect resume. Like I wanted to get any job that I ever wanted because my resume was so perfect. So right when pageants came into my life, I was, you know, just I had 21 credits um, and I had two majors in college. So I majored in dairy production. Um, so I studied cows um, and the production of milk and that entire animal science cycle. Uh, and then I got a minor in animal science, but I also have a degree in speech communication because I love talking about agriculture. And going into college, I always knew like I was going to get two degrees, like I was not going to just get one. So that was the one I wanted. Uh, so throughout all of college, I carried between 18 and 21 courses uh, because my degrees just didn't overlap at all. Whoa, and... whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> you were taking 18 to 21 courses in a semester? Uh, credits, credit hours, sorry, not courses, credit hours. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, oh my no. God, how did you yeah. eat? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, credit hours. So I was taking like, what is that? Like five, five okay. classes. I mean, that's still year. pretty heavy. That's pretty yeah. heavy, but like, yeah. Manageable. And, and I was the type of person that if I had like a 16 credit hour semester, I would be like, oh, American government. Someday I might want to work in government. I should take this class. Um, like my mom used to say I was like a um, glutton for punishment because I just would sign up for all these things. And then, of course, in order to have the perfect resume, I also was involved in clubs and organizations. So um, right before I did pageants, I was on the executive committee of three different clubs and organizations. Um, and then on top of that, I was a research assistant. So I helped un um, graduate students in the Department of Dairy Science do research um, so that at that point in time, I was getting up at 3.30 a.m. to feed calves at 4 a.m. Uh, then I was in classes all day, in meetings, all that good stuff. So I had a really full plate, but I was in one of my classes and there was this girl I really didn't like that was bragging about how she was going to compete for Miss SCSU or college and that she was going to win. And I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do it too. Yes. And the, <laughs> the only thing I knew about pageants at that time is like our city pageant. I remember someone had said like, it's basically just a speaking contest. And I was very involved in 4-H as a kid. Um, and even in high school, all my friends were wanted to go into the uh, healthcare field. And there was a thing called HOSA. So it was like Health Occupational Students of America. And I joined that and I won like every speaking contest, even though like I wasn't going to go be a nurse. I just pretended like it uh, because I love speaking contests. So in high school, I told my mom, I was like, I might run for Miss Lakeville, my hometown. And she's like, 
no, you can't do a beauty pageant. And I was like, it's just a speaking contest. So that's what I had in my mind was my mom telling me I can't do it. And so this girl said she was going to do it. I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat her just to prove it. <laughs> but then I went home and there were like cookies on the table. And I was like, I don't want to diet. Like, I don't want to have to diet. I want to eat cookies. So then um, the next week I had a really terrible Valentine's Day. Um, my best friend's mom or my best friend from high school, her mom had been battling cancer for 10 years and she lost her battle. Um, and then at the same time, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, his aunt was shot at work um, and she survived, but their life's been completely changed since then. She's wheelchair bound. And um, and then also in that shooting, her husband's best friend was shot and killed. So it was a really just awful, awful day. And I was driving from one funeral to the next. And I was like, life is super duper short. I should just like take advantage of every single moment we have. And I was like, I'm going to do that pageant. So I looked it up and it was like the next week and I was called the lady and I was like, is it still possible for me to do this pageant? Um, and she was like, absolutely. So I signed up for the pageant and with my dairy background, um, within the Miss America organization, you have to have a platform. So this is like what you will talk about when you spend your year as Miss X, Y, and Z. So I obviously picked dairy because I wanted to promote dairy. And um, fun fact, I used to be a dairy princess. So um, in Minnesota, we have dairy princesses. And um, I actually had my head carved in a 90-pound block of butter at the Minnesota State Fair. Oh, my <laughs> God. So pretty much you just became my favorite person in the world. <laughs> and also, um, you're like a real-life dairy queen. <laughs> yep, yep. I always like to distinguish though that dairy it's princesses because we have tiaras instead oh. of crowns where the beauty pageants they're queens because it's crowns I see I see <laughs> I see well that's uh, so amazing yeah you had your head carved into butter yeah I still have it it's in my fr freezer in the basement um do you have like a pic you have well, first of all yes. that my head just like <laughs> wait a second you still have it um and then can you like send me a picture of yes. that can I yeah, like I was... add that to like I I don't know where I'll put that I guess it will be on the Instagram like yeah. I'll put it as the second slide like people can scroll over and look at that because like they need to know yeah yeah people need so, to see your head so people in Minnesota like it's so funny to tell people outside of Minnesota because people in Minnesota are like, oh yeah, you're one of the butterheads of the state fair. Like, cause there's 12 every year. So yeah. like, they're like, oh yeah, whatever. And then I tell people outside and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, this isn't normal. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like we have um the big E in Massachusetts, which is in Western Mass. And I currently live in Eastern Mass, but I used to go to school in Western Mass. So I love the big E. It was the biggest fair like in our state and like it was really really cool and they did butter sculptures and I have sat there and watched them carve butter for a long time uh, uh more yeah. time than I would like to admit on the podcast <laughs> my it was my dad's favorite when I got my head carved so it takes like six to eight hours for them to carve your head and while you're there your family gets to like kind of be the family like on like presented mm -hmm. and um while you they're there they can get all the free ice cream they want so I think my dad had like 10 Sundays that day because <laughs> my dad's favorite thing is ice cream and so he just kept getting ice cream after ice cream so anytime somebody talks about my butterhead he's like let me tell you about the free ice cream <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing also um 
okay this is not what this podcast is about but like we're gonna go there like when people if someone was born into your family or married into your family and they were lactose intolerant would they be disowned (laughs) this is an important question so this is actually very applicable (laughs) so so my family um my mom has just worked in the dairy industry so my grandparents were dairy farmers so that's how we got into it and I started working on dairy farms when I was 12 um none of us are lactose intolerant thank goodness but my sister is marrying a dairy farmer who is lactose intolerant (laughs) but he's still a dairy farmer so I feel like he gets a pass his entire family is lactose intolerant and they are all dairy farmers and so um now they do because there's a lot of like lactose free options so like fair life is one of those so they just like buy fair life milk and drink that okay Um, can we talk about this for a second though I have a very tangent oh my gosh this podcast is all over the place and I love it um (laughs) so this Monday Monday I normally eat breakfast I encourage everyone to eat breakfast everyone should eat breakfast unless you have a legit reason not to eat breakfast but anyways eat all of your meals um but this morning I I just wasn't feeling it I like my stomach didn't feel right and I was like you know what I'm gonna we had a fair life chocolate milk in the fridge because it has more protein in it my husband's a power lifter I was like this is awesome let me buy this for you and he's like this is great there's so much protein I love it anyways so and I was like oh I'll have that because it has all this protein in it so it will probably keep me full until my next break when I can eat um and I'm like ready to eat so I had like a big cup of this chocolate milk and like, I'm going to out myself here. We, we don't have people over that often. So we drink the milk right from the carton and in our house, unless like we don't let like people are coming over. Like it's just me and my husband, we're barbarians and that's how we do it. So like, we don't want to clean another glass. It's, it's okay. Um, so anyways, normally I was just taking like little sips of it. Like I was like a little treat. Like I would be like, Oh, I really want something chocolate, but I'm not actually hungry. So I'll take like a couple sips of chocolate milk. Wonderful. But like this morning I had like a full like serving and chocolate milk tried to kill me this day because my whole throat got so swollen and like all scratchy. And I definitely was having some sort of allergic reaction. I took Benadryl. I was fine. I still continued to work because I have bad self-care. Um, hence why I'm taking a break from the podcast. Um, but like chocolate milk tried to kill me last Monday. So do you have any known allergies? No. Well, penicillin. (laughs) That's it. So I'm allergic to iodine. Um, and iodine is used in the cleaning of cows to like prep them for milking. And I will occasionally have an allergic reaction to milk um, because sometimes on large operations, if they don't clean it well enough, iodine can get into the milk stream. So it's mainly just with cheese because cheese is concentrated milk. Yeah. So the iodine gets concentrated. Um, but Fairlife is filtered. Um, so they like filter out all the nutrients and then they put back in what they want. That's why it has higher protein. Yeah. Um, so I almost wonder if like, something like that could have happened but if you're not allergic to iodine I don't know I don't know yeah I know it's totally bizarre because I've never had an allergic reaction like that ever in my life so I was like this is so crazy um but yeah that's interesting my story about milk so I think it's really Um, talking about milk (laughs) can I can I tell you not to drink from the cart Tell me why I should not drink from the carton. Please educate us. (laughs) So as a dairy production major, I had to take two microbiology classes. One was like normal microbiology. The other was dairy microbiology. So we studied like the microbiology of dairy. And 
the bacteria in your mouth that is going back into the carton <gasps> is only going to like increase in the mouth. So your milk is going to spoil way faster than the expiration date says on the milk. Oh my gosh. So when I met my husband, he would drink from the carton. He no longer does because okay. that's just, I I'll can't have do to that. have a talking to with my husband. We'll also, have to come up with a pact. <laughs> also growing up, we would like put milk on the table for mealtime and like every 10 minutes that milk is out the bacteria has a chance to grow because it's decreasing in temperature um so now our family we pour our glasses from the fridge and walk to the table because you shouldn't let your milk sit out wow (laughs) you guys all came here to learn about mlms and instead we're learning about milk (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i i'm really here for it and this is like the most conversation I've had in a long time so like I'm so glad we <laughs> okay okay so Hi. yeah so leading back to pageants so that's right on cue because my platform my first year was chocolate milk um it refuel I think it was like refueling with chocolate milk because chocolate milk is a great refueling for after a workout um studies have shown that it's like carb to protein ratio is optimum for refueling your body after so that um is what I put down on this packet I had to fill out. And then like two days later, my sorority sister comes up to me and she's like, Hey, this girl I know wants to talk to you and help you prepare for this pageant. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll meet her for coffee. So I made this girl for coffee and it turns out she had competed in pageants in the past and her platform had been beef because she grew up on a beef farm, um, raising beef cattle. And so she wanted to help me because I was also an agriculture person. So she kind of like walked me through like how the pageant would work, like gave me some tips on like what to wear. Um, And in true pageant girl fashion, I borrowed a prom dress from my sorority sister to compete in our first pageant. Um, And actually pageants are the reason I got into podcasts is I used to listen to a pageant podcast. And I swear like 90% of the girls, their first pageant, they borrowed a dress from their sorority sister. So it's very cliche. Um, but going into it, I was basically like just super authentic and the Miss America system, they used to have this, like, it's super stupid. The way it would work in local pageants is they have a scoring system, but the score would only give you your top five. And then the judge would pick which person they liked of that top five. So in this first pageant I did, that's how I won. I didn't have the top score, but I got my score was high enough into the top five. And they said, like, I just felt like the girl next door. So they picked me. Um, And so I won. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. I just was myself. And afterwards, they come up and they're like, congratulations, Miss South Dakota is on June 20th. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, you're competing for Miss South Dakota now. And I was like, this isn't a one-time thing. <laughs> like I have to go on and compete for Miss South Dakota who goes on to Miss America. Like this is not like, I'm a no makeup sweatpants kind of girl. Like this isn't who I am. So <clears throat> I'm thrust into preparing for Miss South Dakota because I have to get in a bikini on stage in front of 400 people instead of 20 people like I had been. Um, and really toxic before I did my first pageant, I had my husband wrap me in saran wrap Mm -hmm. to try to look better. Not a good thing. So after that, um, I like, didn't know how to like, like I knew how to work out. I'd been in sports and stuff, but I didn't know how to like 
diet healthy. I don't know. I grew up in like typical Midwestern home. Like we had like meat, potatoes, vegetable with every meal, but we also had dessert with every meal. Like that is how I grew up. When I went to college, I lost 15 pounds because I didn't have dessert with every meal. Um, so I, it was like really struggling. And then one of the former Miss South Dakotas was like, Hey, I'm doing like a 21 day boot camp. Do you want to join me? So I joined her and it was basically like clean eating. So nothing out of a box, um, which worked well with like my dairy platform. So I ate a lot of like cheese and yogurt and, um, you know, meat obviously and all that good stuff. Uh, so that was like fairly easy for me to transition to, but the workouts were terrible. I hated them. Like I was doing like constant burpees, like all these cardio stuff. And like, I have a thing, uh, it's called vocal cord dysfunction. And basically my vocal cords are like six times the size they should be. And they cut off my airway. So like doing super intense cardio is really difficult for me, but I like stuck with it. And I lost like 20 pounds and you could like see my abs. I was super pumped. Uh, and so that's how I prepared for my body going into the first Miss South Dakota. And I, I didn't feel like it was super toxic. It wasn't a healthy way to do it, but it wasn't like the next year, which we'll get into. Um, and then like, as far as like interviews and stuff, the, my local team had kind of prepared me. We did a lot of practice interviews. I remember going in and they, uh, we were doing a prep and they're like, okay, during your 10 minute interview, you should get like 15 to 17 interview questions. And I thought back to my first interview and I was like, oh my gosh, I got six. (laughs) Because I had talked so long. So I really worked on like shortening my answers, like getting to the point. Uh, and which, you know, obviously has faded over the years. <laughs> um, and then I like, const- I was constantly watching for past Miss Americas because I just like wanted to like understand. Um, like I remember I was on a, a collegiate judging team. So we would judge farms and then give feedback and we flew out to New York for it. And I remember sitting in the airport watching, like, uh, I think it was Miss America 2014. Um, like, I was just constantly watching it, absorbing it. Uh, going into Miss South Dakota the first time, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I could win. But I wasn't like, I'm going to win. And if I don't win, I'm going to be mad. Like, my goal was to make the top eight because um, the top eight get to compete, like, a second time. Um, and it's kind of like a big honor. Um, ended up not making top eight, um, but I won the interview. And so I was like, cool, won the interview, got an extra scholarship. Um, you know, I was disappointed, but I was more focused on the ice cream my dad brought me um, afterwards. Uh, and I, you know, kind of binged after that one, but it wasn't like super crazy binging after, um, because I had planned to compete again. So then the next time I competed was at a small local pageant, um, the biggest thing with my pageant journey is I can't sing or dance. So my talent has always been public speaking. And some people think that's a talent and some people don't. So going into this local pageant, I said that like in one of my speech communication classes, we had read a speech um, from Robert Kennedy. And I thought it was really interesting. And I said, what if I combined this speech with Um, like Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream, and then uh, Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. So I took those three speeches and I combined them into one that made sense. And it was, I thought it was really cool. And I thought that was showing my talent, like in the thought process of taking these three very famous speeches and putting them into one and then performing it. 
Um, I did not take into consideration um, my audience that I was in rural South Dakota and they would not appreciate this. Um, and so it was that same thing as last time is my score put me in the top five. I won interview my one of my best pageant friends, one talent. So we were obviously in the top five, but they didn't like us. So they picked two girls that did not perform as well, but were in the top five and we didn't win. And that was like my first like real devastating blow um, because it was based that they didn't like me. And afterwards, like the choreographer of Miss South Dakota, because they do all the stupid dancing and stuff, but he had been doing production for like 30 years and he came up to me afterwards and he was like, you should have won. He goes, I want you at Miss South Dakota, not those girls. And so that kind of like lit a fire under my butt. Like I need to work on some things. Um, so I did another pageant a couple months later and I ended up winning um, talent and interview, which had never happened before. And I won my title. So it worked out better. I was the um, title holder of a, um, it's called the Central States Fair. They are amazing people out there. And they actually gave me like money for gas money to go and do different events. And like, they were phenomenal to work with. So it was a blessing that they um, were kind of the ones I was representing, not the other one. But um, going into that Miss South Dakota, I wanted to win. Like, I was like, if I'm going to do this again, I'm going to win. And um, with my ADHD hyperfixation that I didn't know at the time, like, I, they say, like, write down your quote and put it where you can see it. So, like, right next to my bed, I had, I want to be Miss South Dakota. And so every single morning when I woke up, that's what I thought of. And um, I hired a pageant-specific trainer out of Oklahoma and, um, the workouts I was doing was insane. Like, um, so like I said, I was getting up early and working on farms. Um, and then after I would get off the farm at like six in the morning, I had to go on a 60 to 90 minute cardio session. So with Whoa. me, yeah. So, and with me, like with my lungs, like I wasn't running for 90 minutes. So I would go, my dog and I would go for a 90 minute walk. Um, and then I would spend all day in class. And then I had to spend about three hours in the gym at night doing strength training. Um, and all of this was on a very, very, very restricted diet. Um, it changed the closer I got to the pageant. Um, but I still remember the month before I was at the pageant, I could have 28 carbs a day. And in his meal planning, I was required to eat oatmeal. So I had some fiber. And that took up 23 of my carbs. So I had six carbs for the rest of the day. And um, like, I'm not a picky eater. I love vegetables. I, you know, I'll eat anything as long as it's, you know, microbiology friendly and food safety wise. Um, but I couldn't even eat peas or green beans or broccoli because they had too many carbs. So I was eating spinach and it was like chicken and spinach for every single meal. Um, and it got to the point where I just stopped eating because it was easier to not eat than to eat the same bland chicken and spinach that I'd been eating. Um, and the competition was in June. Um, and I that summer, I'd gotten an internship on a large dairy. And on this dairy, I was walking between like 10 and 15 miles a day because I was like 
walk like the, so this dairy was is the largest dairy in South Dakota so they milked 20,000 cows and so it was miles and miles long so I was con like walking 10-15 miles a day and then I was also doing my pageant prep on top of that um and the first week I had done the oatmeal for breakfast like he had said and I was had zero energy by the time lunch came um, so I actually switched to eating, um, I had 99% lean turkey burger I would make for breakfast and that's what I would eat for breakfast just so I had enough energy to get through. Um, so by the time I got to Miss South Dakota, I was like super burned out. Um, I was probably, I weighed like 125 pounds and like, I'm a fairly large framed person. So like that was super skinny for me and like my natural, like base weight, I always said like before children was like 155. So, you know, I was considerably lower and I had added muscle mass. So I was very low fat content. Um, and it was just super stressful by the time I got there. <clears throat> I had also hired a pageant coach. So I'd done a lot of pageant training and prep with this pageant coach. Um, and then going into Miss South Dakota, I'd also done a ton of community service. So a big piece of who like your title holder is, is doing community service. So I had reformatted my platform from focusing on chocolate milk to, it was called enriching legendary communities. So what I would do is I would go into schools. I would talk about the dairy industry and how milk goes from cow to cup. And then we would do a fundraiser for their local food bank. Um, so I had helped out like 20 food banks across the state. And um, I had also partnered with the Dairy Association in South Dakota and helped them fundraise um, money because a lot of times, so milk and meat are one of the most requested items at food pantries, yet they're the least often donated. And a lot of times companies like Lando Lakes will donate the milk, but the food pantries still have to pay for transportation. And so that's the biggest barrier is just money for transportation. So I helped raise like $15,000 to get milk to food pantries in South Dakota. So I had done a lot with community service and um, I had visited the Capitol. I had met with the Secretary of Agriculture and the Secretary of State, just kind of promoting my platform. And going into Miss South Dakota my first year, I was probably like the second hardest working girl and the first hardest working girl won. So I was like comfortable that she won because she had worked probably harder because she had been competing for five years and was like, I'm done. I'm going to put it all in. So the second year going into Miss South Dakota, I by far was the hardest working person. Um, and that's kind of like the story of my life is I'm always the hardest working person because of my hyperfixation. I just didn't know. I just thought I was really competitive. Um, but this was all my brain could think about. So going into it, um, th there's like pageant predictors. They like predict who's going to win state pageants and stuff. And I had been predicted by a couple to win. And so I was going in like pretty confident. Like I knew I was going to be top five at like a hundred percent. I was going to be top eight. I at least was going to be top five. So I go into my South Dakota week um, and I didn't even make the top eight. Yeah. And no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I left the stage um, during the week of my South Dakota, because you have a whole week before that you're doing different appearances and learning the dances and all that stuff, you're assigned like basically a mom, like sh they're a fitting room attendant, but it's like somebody's mom that comes in and takes care of you and another person for the week. 
And I remember walking off stage and she was standing there and she just hugged me and I just like collapsed into her because never had I fathom I wasn't going to make the top eight. And I just could not believe it. Um, and I've often, now that I've been diagnosed with ADHD, called like my ADHD a light switch. Like it's either on or off. Like I don't have a dimmer. I, I can't do something part of the way. And like in that moment, it switched. And I was like, I'm done. I gave it everything I could and I didn't win and I'm done. So like, I remember later, um, one of my really good friends, she's actually Miss Minnesota right now. Um, she hadn't made top eight either. And we had to do a dance later and we were like, so focused on not making, we forgot the dance. So we were just up there like goofing off and like, people were so mad, but I was like, I don't even care. Like I'm done. I didn't make it. Um, and afterwards I had like three Miss South, former Miss South Dakotas come up to me and say, you need to compete again. You're going to win next year. Like this one girl she didn't make the top eight the first two times and then she won the third year like that's gonna be you and I said nope my boyfriend's gonna propose I'm gonna get married and I'm done like I'm not gonna do it so it was just like devastating to go from something that I all I could think about was that to being done with it you know and like sure my ADHD might have wanted that but like there was part of me that still wanted to do that and because of the restricted diet I binged so hard after like it was so bad um like we went to Sam's Club afterwards and I got like 10 boxes of cereal and I ate cereal for every single meal three meals a day for like a month because I just had all I ate was chicken and spinach and even to this day I have a hard time eating chicken breasts because I just so reflective of that time that that's all I could eat um so I I go back to school my boyfriend does not propose to me um he, he's going to I told him he should um <laughs> he eventually does spoiler alert um but as I go back to school it's my um so I had to go for four and a half years because I had two degrees. Um, and most of my friends have graduated because they went for four years. So I go back to school being spit out of the pageants, feeling lost. I now have to decide what I'm going to do the rest of my life because I'm out of college in, you know, four months. Um, all my friends are gone besides like my boyfriend at the time and like two friends um I am no longer on executive committees because you have to be on for like a whole year so I'm not going to do it because I'm only half a year and I'm just feeling really lost you know like I don't have four million things I have to get done and like looking back like I should have just gone and had fun <laughs> you know? the, the foreshadowing right now is like so severe like <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, obviously, we're on an anti-MLM podcast, so, like, we can all smell what's coming next, but, like, oh, my God, were you just, like, so set up for this? Oh, exactly. Like, when I started listening to anti-MLM podcasts, and, like, uh, Roberta's podcast was the first one I listened to, and she was talking about, like, what what vulnerabilities did you have? And I was, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. You know, like, yeah, that's why I joined. Like, why else would I join? So um, also at that time, um, like I said, I was a graduate assistant and I'd grown really close to two of the graduate students. Um, one of them had finished her PhD. She was gone. 
And the other one was at the point in her PhD where she was just writing. So she didn't need my help anymore. So I was kind of put onto a different graduate student um, that just really took advantage of me. And like, like my role was to like take things off their plate so they could focus on other things. And she would like make me do stuff and sit and watch me do it. And it was just so frustrating that like, I'm here to help you. Like you should be going and doing other things. So I was frustrated with my job on top of all of this. So one of the few friends I have left is like, hey, I got invited to this pampering session. Do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. Like I could use a pampering. I could use a girl's night out. This sounds great. So I go with her um, to this Mary Kay pampering session. And the woman that is talking is um, just really wonderful. And I was just like really drawn to her as a person. Like I wanted to be her friend because she was just very sincere and um, I just really liked her. But she was talking about how like she had never even worn makeup until she started selling Mary Kay. And here I am like, I just competed in a statewide pageant where I did my own makeup. Like I can do makeup. If this woman can sell it, who had never worn makeup before, of course I could sell it. Mm -hmm. And um, I've always struggled with acne issues. And I was like, I could get really, really high quality quotations, really high quality acne medication or treatment for my face at a discounted price. And I have always loved mascara. I was like, I could get mascara half off. Like, and this stuff is great. So I texted my mom and I was like, hey, what do you know about Mary Kay? And she was like, yeah it seems good like she was like neither here there, nor there and I was like I think I'm gonna join and she was like okay sounds good so I joined because like I need a hyperfixation and of course I can sell makeup um and there's that I don't know if you know that Elise Meyers um TikTok sound where she's like she like ha- talks about having the trait where she can at least do everything half decently and like I my ADHD 100% has that. So I was like, if I get into this, I'm going to do it. I'm going to win. So I sign up. I meet with her. Um, and like I said, like my director to this day, I still think is a wonderful person. Uh, <clears throat> she was just a woman who wanted to stay home with her kids. And this was the opportunity to stay home with her kids. But I went to her house. We like talked about signing up. Um, I had to open a credit card because I didn't have enough money to buy the inventory. And the credit card only approved me for $1,500. So I got the $1,500 kit. Like, had I been approved for $10,000, who knows? I might have bought $10,000 worth of inventory. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I only bought $1,500 because that's all I could afford. This is one of the things that I think we don't talk about enough is, like, how many people end up getting credit cards just to buy their MLM stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I get my inventory um, and like my director had picked it and like half of it was like eyeshadows and stuff like that, which I still have this to this day. Like here we are, uh, however many years later, like, oh gosh, probably eight years later. And I still have that because we did skincare classes. So we didn't introduce people to the colors so they didn't know to buy them. So I... Once I got in, I like dove heifers in. I was host, like hosting classes almost every single night. Um, and I enjoyed like meeting, like I met some really awesome women in my college that I probably would have never met and like still friends with them on social media and stuff. And 
Uh, that was fun. But there were a lot of classes where like I would spend three, four hours working and not make a single sale. And like I had one girl who invited her grandma and it was terrible. The whole time she ripped into me about how she did Rodan and Fields and she wouldn't even think about doing Mary Kay. And like, I'm pretty naive. Um, Like being like neurodivergent my whole life, I just like tuned out pop culture. And like now, now I study it. (laughs) I like listen to podcasts so I can like understand and have talking points. But like at that point in time, like I didn't know other MLMs. Like I didn't know where it fields. I had no idea. And I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And she got so mad that I said I didn't know what it is. And I was sincere. I had no idea. And like it was terrible. I wanted to cry. Like, and I held it in until I got in my car and I just sobbed because this lady ripped me apart. And I was like, I am 23 years old just trying to make a buck. Like, you don't have to rip into me. Right. So I think this is like a really good point too, where I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but like people really like take in the MLM as their identity. So like, I I talk about this all the time, like somebody that works at Target, like if you, if somebody, I don't know how somebody would not know what Target is, but you know, (laughs) for some reason, somebody doesn't know what Target is. And they're like, oh, I work at Target. And like, no one's going to rip your face off for not knowing what Target is. Like you might get the, you don't know what Target is. But like, yeah, uh, exactly. And that's like, like my, my mom works for like, it's a small business, but it's like very, very successful small business. And like all the time, people have no idea what it is. And my mom isn't like, what do you mean? You don't know what it is. You know, like she doesn't, she just explains what it is. So uh, we have a visitor now. (laughs) Um, If we want to pause, I will move him. Sorry. So when I was like, Three weeks in, they had like their fall conference. So it was put on by the tippity top of our line. I don't, I, I have like blocked out like what the titles were. I knew like Red Jacket and Director. I don't know what the rest yeah. is. But, um, you know, this woman, we were kind of like semi connected to her because my director was under her daughter who was under her. So we were like, I was like three generations removed from the top. So um, we got to like actually meet her and like have a conversation at this fall conference. But like, I love conferences. (laughs) Like I love meeting new people. I love networking, like whether it's like an agriculture related conference or whatever, I just love them. So when she said there was a conference, I was like, of course, I'll go with you. So we carpool. On the way there, we pick up a lady who is in a different line. Um, and I was talking about how much I love the mascara and huge red flag, but I did not clock it at the time. She was like, yeah, when I started using it, my eyelashes fell out. Yeah. And she like totally was like, yeah, I contacted Mary Kay. I let them know. And I just switched back to like the lash love formula or whatever. And my director was like, oh yeah, that's weird. Like it, it was probably just like a one-time reaction and like they just swept it under the rug. And at the time I was like, that's so weird. I love this mascara, you know, but I couldn't like looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, her eyelashes fell out and she was still selling it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I can't imagine that like standing behind a product that like did me so dirty like that but no and like you're selling makeup and you don't have eyelashes (laughs) like how are you gonna explain that you don't have eyelashes and be like oh yeah you use this mascara hopefully your eyelashes don't fall out right yeah it's crazy you know of like other reports of that I I haven't looked into it no um 
So we get to the conference. The first night is lots of like hoopla and like get excited. And like the main lady shares her regs to riches story. Like she used to go to the grocery store with only $20 in her pocket because that was her budget and that's all she could afford. Um, And now she's like a multimillionaire and he's doing so good. And I remember my director being like, oh, isn't she amazing? I was like, yeah. And like, you can't even tell like how old she is. Like, it's so cool. Like she obviously had had work done. Uh, It wasn't Mary Kay products saving her face. (laughs) Um, And then like we got to meet her and it was just, it was really fun. We had a good time, went out for supper, met some other girls. I was in a hotel room with three other women that I had never met before. Um, And this was... Uh, 2016 so we were like nearing the 2016 election and we I um for the most part pretty middle of the road but I'm a middle child so like I'm used to like being the mediator and I had two girls on very different ends of the spectrum in my hotel room and the one morning we were getting ready and they started arguing and I was like you know what I I just want arms like Michelle Obama. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh my! And God. both of them were like, "Oh yeah, I can agree." Like everybody can agree, Michelle Obama has amazing arms. You know, like Michelle and Obama so does like have amazing arms. <laughs> I like had to diffuse a political situation, and I had to share a bed with like the girl I shared a bed with was like super cool and super nice, but I had to share a bed with a complete stranger. Right. And so like I go down, and I'm like, oh, I just started the morning diffusing a political argument. Cool. Right. I was expecting day two, like we had breakout sessions and I was like, great, they're going to teach me like how to run a business, like how to file my taxes because I'm 23. I've never even filed like my personal taxes, let alone business taxes. Right. And like all this stuff. No, day two was all rah, rah, rah again. And I was just frustrated because I was like, I'm already motivated. I am a very self-motivated person. You do not need to motivate me. But then I started like looking around the room and like looking at the people around me and how they were all like, you can do it. Like everybody in here can do it. And the woman sitting next to me was so shy. She could not carry on a conversation with me. Mm. And I was like, this woman cannot do it. Like, like no offense to her. She could be super successful in any other business, but in a business where you have to market and like sell products and talk to people and interact with people, this woman is not going to be successful. And that's when it just kind of like red flag in my mind that they are saying like everyone in this room can do it, but they are not looking at people's strengths and weaknesses and actually looking at what these people can be successful in and that this might not be it. Right. Right. There are people in every industry that are fantastic candidates for whichever job that you're in. And like, there are other people that, you know, it's just not meant for you. And this is a huge flaw of this industry where they will literally take anyone. If you have a pulse and a social security number, then congratulations, you're in. Exactly. And like, this woman was telling me all about her hobbies and she sounded amazing at her hobbies, but I'm like, you're, you're not going to be able to sell Mary Kay. Like, that's just not how it works. You could probably partner with somebody who could be the face and you could do awesome on like the back end of things and like the numbers and all that stuff, but you're not going to be able to be the face. And unfortunately in these, you have to do everything. You right. have to be the back. Like people like me are not good at the back end numbers. And stuff. Right. <laughs> you know? And they bank on that. I, yeah, I think I believe exactly. in my opinion, they bank on that. Yeah, that like I can sell up front and I have fun with that, but I'm not going to sit down and do the numbers. Like that's why I married my husband. He he does that for our business. 
Um, so after this conference, I was just frustrated. I was like, I wanted actual tools to help me be successful in my business. So I expressed that to my director. I said, I, I'm frustrated with this. I was hoping to have more experiences. And she said, yeah, I get it. She's like, people like you and me, we don't need motivation. We need tools. And so I think that like sucked me back in because she, and she wasn't doing it manipulative. Like she agreed with me. Um, but I was like, oh, she agrees with me. She's in the same boat as me. And like, here she is being successful. Like she has a car from Mary Kay. Like if I could get a free car, like that would be great. Uh, so it goes on for the next couple months. Um, as I'm so, like, as I'm making sales, I'm buying more inventory, like just reinvesting my money back into my business. And I never put extra money in. I always just put in the money but I still also had to pay off my credit card, you know? So it's kind of, uh, I often say I'm broke even. Mm -hmm. I highly doubt that's the case, but like my heart can't handle going back and proving that I did not break even. That's <laughs> so it. I'm just going to like tell myself I broke even. I probably didn't. Um, and then I had one experience that like mortified me. So one, of, like I said, one of my best friends that was a PhD student, um, she, so she was from Mexico and a lot of her friends were other graduate students that were international students. And um, she like very lovingly was like, of course, a host. And like Mary Kay is really big in Mexico and amongst Hispanic women. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I love this and this product that I used to always get when I was in Mexico. Like I would love to host a party so I could get that product. So we host this party. I have my typical kit and I do not have CC cream that is dark enough for most of the women. Oh. and I was mortified because they were mortified and it you know because I was in South Dakota at a school that's like 98 percent white people and so I didn't even think about it and nobody had prepared me like they said you should have these two cc creams nobody told me I should have the third the dark one um and it just kind of opened my eyes to like how my team kind of handled that sort of mm -hmm. situation um, and like, I was a very apologetic and like, she was understanding, but it just was like, oh, okay. Yep. yep. That's not great. So these little things just kind of kept doing red flags. And then, um, at the end of the semester, like I had a big curl job. So my husband and I had decided we were going to go work on a ranch in middle of nowhere, South Dakota. Um, that had, I'd, have you ever seen the movie Flicka? No. Tim McGraw. Okay. Well, it's a movie about a horse ranch in Montana. And mm -hmm. when I was little, I wanted to marry her brother. Like I loved her cowboy brother. Live in the middle of nowhere. Like kind of like the Dixie Chick song, like cowboy take me away. Like I'd always dreamed of that. And like my husband's like a tall, handsome cowboy. Like I was like, perfect. We're gonna <laughs> live in the middle of nowhere. It's gonna be just you and me and cows, and it's gonna be amazing. So like I do. My ADHD flipped the switch and I was done on Mary Kay because I was like, I am moving like this isn't like a small town. Like like now I live in a small town, like 7000 people. We have like a subway, whatever. This was like a nothing town. Like it was 300 people. There was no stoplights. It had one stop sign. There was a drive through liquor store, <laughs> a Dollar General and a cafe that was only open when the owner didn't want to go fishing. So we were an hour and a half from Bismarck. Um, that was like the closest city. 
Um, I always like to share this little tidbit that we uh, lived 45 minutes from the town that my husband, one of my husband's best friend grew up in. And that is the farthest away from a McDonald's in North America. Wow. Yeah. So we almost lived the farthest away from McDonald's. And his story always growing up was he had never had fresh McDonald's until he went to college. Because if his mom would visit Rapid City, which is two and a half hours away, she would pick up McDonald's and then reheat it when she got home. So wow. when he went to college, there was like a McDonald's in their town. So he ate it all the time because he had never had fresh McDonald's. So this is where we're living. And I and I told her, I said, like, I'm not going to be able to sell Mary Kay in this town. Like, I know no one. Like, it's just not going to be successful. And she did a lot of digging and she was like, oh, I found a pink Cadillac director in your town. Okay, so the market's been filled. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm not going to be able to sell anything because this one's probably from there. She already has connections. Right. So I just kind of cut it off. Um, I got my juicer that I had won because I had sold so much. And I went off to the middle of nowhere. Um, while we were there, this is a story for another time, but we had a very, very terrible work experience. Um, a lot of... Uh, sexism from my female boss towards me, um, a lot of jealousy and just really big issues. So it was a really, really bad work environment. And the people we worked for um, were very, very, very overweight. And the lifestyle they lived, like they lived on Hot Pockets. And so we were thrust into this where we're, my husband and I literally worked 20 hours a day um, mm -hmm. during calving. So we were helping cows calve. We had to work uh, get up every two hours in the night and they had promised us that they would take the shift from like 1 to 6 p.m and they didn't most times so some days we were working 24 hours wow. so it was exhausting um and it was really hard to like come inside for my like 10 minute break and make a real meal uh so i like really struggled with my weight because here i am like a year out of pageants um like trying to figure out my weight uh, I'm very physically active on this ranch. Like, you know, I'm closing all my circles every day, but I'm not losing weight because first of all, like my body like was just binging for like months and months and my metabolism is completely shot. And like, we're just not having full meals. So that's when Plexus came into my life. And dun, dun, I had a friend. Yeah. I had a friend that was like, oh, the pink drink's amazing. And you'll just lose weight without having to try. And I was like, perfect. I have a wedding dress that I gotta look perfect in. Mm -hmm. I will do plexus. So I did it for like a month and a half. I lost zero weight. I felt no different. And I didn't do like the probiotics or anything. Cause I hear you mentioned that I just did the pink drink. Cause that's all she mentioned. Um, and they charged me cause I did the coach, whatever. Cause it was yeah. cheaper. They charged me until I canceled my credit card two years ago. And I had contacted them every single year when they charged me to get them to stop. Yeah, Plexus is difficult to quit. Um, you have to, or at least when I was in, it was like, you have to s fill out the specific form and like email it. And it, it was very, like some of these companies are very sneaky on how it goes. And, and like we had contacted them and they had told me they had stopped it. And they didn't, they keep, they kept doing it. And so when my credit card expired, I was like, I'm not going to renew it. <laughs> I'm just going to let it expire. <laughs> so then Plexus can't charge me. Right. Um, so I didn't feel anything different. I was like, I need to change. So then uh, one of my sorority sisters from college was doing Beachbody. And I was like, well, like this would be a good option. Like 
the nearest gym is probably an hour and a half away from me. So I don't have anywhere to go work out. Home workouts would be great. Um, but I, I don't want to do burpees. I am done with that style of workout. I, I do not want insanity. I don't want any of that. So I signed up to be able to do yoga. I was like, yoga would be great. I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting in my regular job. Yoga would be fantastic. So I tell this girl, like, that's my goal. And I tell her, like, I am done doing burpees. I am not doing them. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no, that sounds great. And the entire time she was disappointed in my progress. Um, And she was very okay with including that in her messages. Um, How I wanted, she wanted me to push myself harder. And like, she kind of knew my situation, like what I was going through on a daily basis of being harassed. Um, And like it, I didn't have the capacity to push myself harder. Like I was already at my breaking point. Right. Um, And this was all I could do. Like yoga was all I could do. And she just constantly was pushing me and pushing me and making me feel bad about how I looked. And like from a mental health perspective, like the yoga is probably the best thing that you can do um, for yourself and your body at that point in time. Like, of course, your body's hanging on to weight if you're constantly stressed and you're like if your cortisol level is up that high because you're also being harassed at work and that like raises your cortisol and then you're like you're doing all of this like really physical activity like the yoga was probably exactly what your body needed. So you were, you were spot on and she was not qualified to tell you otherwise. Yeah. And it didn't help that like, there was a lot of like body jealousy within, um, from our employers and like, I'm, I'm not a small person by any means. And like that time I probably weighed like 160 pounds. Um, but like they were, I don't even know how much they weighed. Um, and the husband had recently been diagnosed with like uh, type two diabetes and like was refusing to take care of himself. And they they had a lot of mental health issues. So like I can empathize with that, um, but they didn't have to take it out on me. Mm-hmm. And one time we were eating with them at a restaurant and the husband looks at me and he goes, if you keep eating like that, you're not going to fit in your wedding dress. <gasps> nope. And I was like, Okay cool like I'm gonna keep eating like this because I don't sit in my house 12 hours a day like you do (laughs) like I do all the hard work for you so okay good cool for you um so eventually like there was a last straw and and we finally left um and the leaving process was very very difficult um they were terrible to us Uh, but we got out of there and uh, we moved home and then I really focused on like doing the yoga like it was just a great stress relief because we moved home like three weeks before our wedding Um, and so I really pushed myself and I was doing like the 90 minute yogas and like Mm -hmm. I I just was really enjoying it it was a very nice outlet for me Um, and I had sent her like my last progress pictures because she had asked right before the wedding and she was pretty mean about it um and just said like oh yeah that's fine do you think you could do more before the wedding and like this had been my friend like we weren't like super tight in college but like we had been kind of friends so it wasn't a complete stranger right um and I just started talking to her from that moment I was just like I'm I'm done um 
so we got married and I looked beautiful and it was great and wonderful. Um, and then we ended up moving and finding like my dream job. I was the communications director for the South Dakota Department of Agriculture. Um, it was awesome. We were there. Um, but while we were there, I had had our first son. Um, I had him premature. Um, so he was born at 32 weeks and five days and spent 32 days in the NICU. Um, and we lived in the capital of South Dakota, which is a pretty small town. It's like 12,000 people. So they don't have a NICU. And so I had to be airlifted to Sioux Falls, um, the nearest big town. Um, so I was living three hours from home, um, you know, pretty stressful. And like, I wasn't losing the baby weight, like everybody said. And uh, it was really tough because I, I felt like everybody was saying my baby should be 10 pounds and I should be a hundred. Like my baby should be ginormous and chunky and I should be nothing. And here I was with this four pound baby who is 19 inches long. Like he literally came out looking like my husband, <laughs> like tall and lanky <laughs> and like his face looked exactly like my husband. So, um, so here I was with this tiny little baby and I was not losing the weight. And so by the time we got back home, like started getting things settled in, I was also like TMI producing a ton of milk. Like I was, I was a cow <laughs> and I, I was joking, like, I have a degree in lactation. Like I should have been good at this. Um, it all comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> and so here I am like burning tons of, cal- like I was producing like almost a gallon a day. Like wow. I was very productive. So I'm burning all these calories, but I'm not losing the weight. So of course I go back to Beachbody. Um, I'm not communicating with that coach. I just like sign up in the app and they assign me a random person, but I wanted to do the workouts. So this is when I started doing like the 21 day fix and like the 80 day obsession. And, um, we worked in government and they had the like governor's ball and I wanted to fit in one of my pageant dresses. So I, cause I'm really cheap. I didn't want to have to buy a new dress. So I was doing the 21 day fix twice a day, um, uh, because like, that's how I knew like. I I knew how to get skinny. And like, that's what pageants had taught me is to get skinny. This is what I had to do. I had to crush diet. I had to work out three to four hours a day. And that's what I was doing. Got into my dress. I looked great. Um, But then, you know, I just did. I stopped um, nursing my son and I gained weight, you know, and it was just this constant, like up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, And then uh, we actually decided to move home um, to Minnesota because we wanted to start our own farm and it had always been both of our dreams to have our own farm. And um, I wanted to be closer to a NICU because I wanted to have more babies and we never found out why Cooper came early. Um, I am very talented at contracting and I just contract until my baby comes out. I don't get any other symptoms. I just contract and then the baby comes out. Um, So (laughs) like it was never like preeclampsia or anything that like I could work to prevent the next time because we didn't know why right um so when we move home to minnesota i we get pregnant again and we buy our farm and that is when i found like true strength training so i there's a great um expecting and empowered uh they it's a two sisters one's a physical therapist and one's an exercise scientist and they both had lots of babies and 
it was so awesome for me. Like I, my goal was to be strong. It wasn't about gaining weight. It wasn't about losing weight. I wanted to be strong. So when I was out on the farm, I could do whatever I want, even if I was pregnant. So I did that um, starting at four weeks all the way till when I was 26 weeks pregnant. Um, and I, I loved it. Like I loved the lifting. I loved all this. And like, um, I am really good at finding bad work situations. And I found another one and my boss was always like, you can't lift that. And I was like, I do lifting three to four times a week, (laughs) you know, like I know I'm pregnant, but I, I'm lifting. Um, but then at 26 weeks, I went into preterm labor again. Um, so I had to be modern bed rest. Um, but my son is out and wonderful now and he's two and a half, um, and he did not come early. So, um, we got him to keep staying because they actually believed me. Um, but over the last year, I've really focused on, um, like just intentional, being intentional about what I'm eating and not weighing myself. And, um, unfortunately last January I got COVID and, I have had a headache since, um, I've had two sinus surgeries, um, and they have not fixed it. So that has been really difficult because I have not been as active as I would like, because I'm struggling with this headache. But, um, we recently joined a gym just because I wanted to start lifting again. And, um, they have this great program where if you do the childcare center for once every two weeks, you get a free membership. So I was like, perfect. I can watch other people's kids. Like I watch my own kids all the time. Right. Um, and they just like last week sent out a thing about, um, join our program. And like, since I'm technically an employee, I get a discount. And I was like, Oh, it might be nice to have like structured lifting and like have somebody give me that. But I opened it and they're like weekly weigh-ins. I was like, Oh God, no, (laughs) you're not going to decline that. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm working on, you know, uh, you know, finding stuff, but right now I'm just doing yoga. I love um, yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Oh yeah. Yoga with Adrian. I also tell my clients to use that all the time. I feel like she's really good at what she does. Yeah. And so our farm, um, we sell meat, eggs, um, and then goat milk for pet food. And the struggle with anti-MLM and that is my target audience is the same as MLMs. And so, um, it's been hard to kind of find my voice because I know what MLM has done in my life and without like burning bridges, you know, and, uh, and I started a book club and our local community um, has, I highly recommend this. It's a Facebook group for women in our community and we get together and we have wine nights and we go on walks and it has been like everything that women look for in MLMs it has been without the selling piece, you know? So I have met some of my best friends in my community just through like the first one, this woman was like, I moved to the town. I am going to have a bonfire come on over. And I went to the first one. Cause I was like, I'm new. I don't know anyone. This will be great. Um, and some of my best friends were at that bonfire. And so I've been really trying to like work in this group and, and meet other people and also slide in my anti MLM. So I started a book club um, and the third month I brought up Ponzinomics and I was like, what do you guys think? And one girl was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I was like, okay, she said it. It's not just me. She said it too. So we read Ponzinomics. Um, I only got like four people to read it, but Hey, I got four people to read it. Yeah. Um, and then I was super proud uh, when you guys were talking, um, I think it was two episodes you were talking about, like, how do you approach like mm-hmm. someone's trying to join 
and um one of the girls was hosting a peer romance party and I was like you know I'm like a sex positive person I'll go I'll have fun but I'm not gonna buy anything and I'll just kind of like be there so I went and this girl she drove up from Nebraska so from Nebraska to Minnesota like Mm -hmm. at least four hours like my in-laws live in South like edge of South Dakota so she drove at least four hours probably more like six or eight to have this party in Minnesota now she probably sold like two thousand dollars because like every person spent at least 200 because of their prices are crazy like and then you have to have all these like accessories and whatever but while we were there one of my friends um she is in a vulnerable spot she Mm -hmm. wants to work but she can't afford daycare um and she was like oh I I think I might join and like if any of my friends could do a peer romance party it would be her you know because she's just like that type of person and I was like yeah, you would probably be good at that, you know? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I did see on a podcast that you should look at the income disclosure statement. Like, do you want me to pull that up? And she's like, yeah, that would be great. So I pull it up and I was like, here it is. And she looks at it and it was like, I think 87% of people didn't make anything. And then I was like, you know, reading through it. And she looks at me and she's like, wow, 87% is a lot. I was like, yeah, it is. It is a lot. She's like, okay. And I was like, so now you like understand, like, if you want to go into it just to have fun and like have an outlet, go for it, do it. Like, you're probably going to spend money, but if that's what you're looking for, he said, but if you're looking to make money, I don't think this is the right spot. And she was like, yeah, you're right. I was like, take time, go home, talk to your husband. I said, don't rush into it. I said, that's how Mary Kay got me as I rushed into it. And I signed up right there. And had I gone and thought about it, I probably wouldn't have signed up. So I said, go home, think about it and talk to your husband and she didn't sign up and like I after I left I called my husband and I was like I stopped somebody from joining yes but I was very intentional I have chills (laughs) and I I felt like I I was just giving her the information because my gut instinct was like no don't do it you know like that is like the first thought and I was like take a breath let's let her make this decision for herself because if I tell her not to and she just doesn't in that moment she might come back to it later where if I give her the information and she's able to make that decision for herself then like she's feeling empowered and I'm empowering her to make that decision right so I was like when when I get on the podcast I need to talk about that because (laughs) and and I really started like one of my best friends in town she has been selling Monet for a few years she just signed up with Mary Kay. I don't think she knows it's in breach of their contracts. Contracts we in both, but I'm not gonna tell her. Um, she's low enough; they probably don't care. Yeah. Um, but I really struggle with having that conversation because I, I know she's she's missing something. Like she's at home with her kids and she's looking for something. And and I get it. Like that's why I have my farm. You know, like I couldn't just be a stay at home mom because I I had to have something. And so it's it's so hard to have that conversation with her and um, I'm waiting for that moment. We'll get there at some point, but I did stop one person. (laughs) Yeah. And that's amazing. And you know, it is, it is really like when you pull back and you're like, okay, like, is there a way that I can offer information without being combative? Is there a way that I can ask questions without being combative? Um, and like, it's really key if like, you know, somebody who's like in that decision-making process of joining, like, I remember when I joined Arbonne, I like talked to Nick and I was like, oh, like, 
should I do this? Like, da, 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 da. and like, at that point we were both kind of like, eh. and I was just like, well, if I don't like it, I just won't renew my membership. Like the next year, like I'll just let it lapse. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I wish that we had been like, I wish that I was a little bit more educated at that point or somebody had said like, what are you doing? But I was so surrounded by people in MLMs at that point that like no one was going to tell me, hey, like, here's why this isn't working. Yeah. And I and I think it's so hard to like say, oh, they don't work. And then, oh, well, that's just that thing where like having and I wouldn't have known about income disclosure statements had I not listened to podcasts. Right. And I was like, this is a perfect example of like showing you the proof from them that you're not going to make money, you know, and letting them have that decision because yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like had somebody showed me that I a hundred percent would not have tried because right. I am super frugal. And so like, I would not have been in that situation, but you know, that was 2016 and granted it wasn't that long ago, but I felt like the communication that you shouldn't really wasn't there. Right. And, and it's been hard to like communicate with, like my mom's never been in an MLM, but my mom has like major FOMO. And so she goes to all the parties. She she buys from everybody um, because she wants to support them and all that stuff. And, you know, she has bought less since I've communicated it with her. Um, but, you know, it's hard because they don't see that. Like, sure, you're supporting them, but it'd be better off giving them 20 bucks, right. you know, like because they're not going to get that much money out of it. Um, you know, so it's just hard to find that balance. And when it's so like ingrained in our society to join these things, you know, it's hard to be the one that says, no, thank you. (laughs) You know, but it's this stuff. And like, this is kind of what we're going to be talking about, um, a little bit in the, uh, MLM conference coming up is like our generation is speaking up and we're talking about these things and we're helping protect future generations because our generation we saw people, you know, just like getting Avon all the time and Mary Kay and like all that stuff was just so normal and Pampered Chef. Like those were all just like very normal in our society. So then when all of these like flashy MLMs started coming up and especially the health and wellness MLMs started coming up and they were promising us that we could be skinny and make money, we were like sold. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we all want to be skinny and make money, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Like that's what society tells us that we want to do. And also for women who are feeling the pressure of being in that like traditional role of wanting to stay home or people that are like kind of forced to stay home like in the Mormon culture, like things like that. Like it just sounds so great because you get you get to stay home, you get to make money and you get to be quote unquote pretty. Like it's the standard of pretty. And I always talk about like, I felt like staying home was like me accepting defeat. Mm -hmm. Like I was the person in high school that my, both my best friends were like, oh, we're going to be nurses. And then we're going to stay home with our kids. Like their ultimate goal was to be stay-at-home moms. And I was like, I am never going to be a stay-at-home mom. I am an independent woman. I am never going to do that. And I love being home with my kids. And that was something that was really hard for me to understand that like, I can be an independent woman and be home. I can be an independent woman and work. 
24-7. And like being an independent woman doesn't mean this or that. It's what you want to do. And like I had to look deep inside myself and be like, what would make me happy? Like I'm really good at finding bad bosses and I don't really want a boss anymore. You know? And like, and sure, like my two and five-year-old might be a little aggressive at times, but I love it. And and when I tell like people who are like 20 years older than me, they're like, oh, like that's weird. Like, why would you say that? And I said, like, I felt, and it was never from my parents. It was definitely a societal thing that I felt like I couldn't just stay home and be really good at staying home. And I feel like that is some of the things, like, I really see that in my friend. Like, I, she's a very successful homemaker. Like, her home is perfect. Like, her home looks so cute. Her kid is so cute. And like, I just want to tell her, like, it's okay to just take pride in that. Right. Like, it is okay that this is your pride and joy right now. You don't have to have a side biz. Like you don't have to be a working woman. You don't want that. So it's okay to be where you at, you are at. And I feel that pressure so much that it's okay to just enjoy it. And it's okay to just enjoy working. It's okay. But you need to figure out what you want right. and, and do that for you. And like, I think that there's also the stigma to where, and I know that this is like, a little bit hard to find what I'm about to suggest. So um, it, it's not an option for everyone, but it's also okay for you to just go and get like a job that you go to like one or two days a week. And like, you know, if you're able to find the childcare for that amount of time, like that's okay for you to have like a one day a week job. Yeah. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like you're going to be guaranteed money if you go and work at McDonald's one day a week mm-hmm. versus working a pyramid scheme where you might get lucky but yeah and and I've done that um you know for two years in COVID I did data entry for one to two days a week depending on how busy they were um and it was great to just like go be able to put my headphones on get something done and feel like I'm contributing like I would joke it's like my coffee fund you know but like at least my husband doesn't have to pay for my coffee <laughs> you know and it, and it is nice to be able to like get away and like have that and I've definitely felt like that with our community group is it's a chance for people to get away and meet other people and have adult conversation because that can be really difficult mm-hmm. um you know and I feel like a lot of people that's what they search for in MLMs like that's what I was looking for when I joined Mary Kay like I wanted friends I wanted to be her friend you know, I wanted community because my community, I graduated. And, you know, I think if we learn to make communities in different ways and we're open to making friendships in different ways, like, like when you're in kindergarten, you're like, oh, you like blue. I like blue. Let's be best friends. Like, why can't we do that now where you like go up to somebody and you're like, oh, you like reading books. I like reading books. Let's be friends. You know, (laughs) like, like I wish we were more like that. So we didn't have to join a cult to find community I think that you brought up such a missing piece of anti-MLM movement which is you know if you're trying to find a way that you can help and like support what we're doing it would be amazing for people like especially for people that aren't willing or aren't ready to like speak out about it to start these groups in their community and give a safe place where people can connect with each other and have non-culty connections or maybe less culty connections 
Um, and I always tell people, so I, I'm at farmer's markets and whenever I find somebody that moves, cause our community is growing. So we get a lot of people that move in. And whenever I find that someone's new, I'm like, have you found Lonsdale ladies on Facebook? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you should, it's not a cult. We're not trying to sell you anything. We just want to be friends. <laughs> I think I'm crazy, but I, I want people to know because so many of us that have moved in have found connections and like have been able to like weather some really difficult times like we've had women go through like miscarriages and injuries and husband's injuries and like all these things that we've been able to support each other within the group uh, without like expecting them to buy something in return right and that's amazing because it, it is hard and there are so many people that are just looking for friendships I mean I think that's something I hear all the time uh being in this space is that you know or also people that go back to MLMs because they didn't find what they were looking for when they left and they felt lonely and isolated again. Um, and it's, it's really sad. It's really sad that we don't have more of these spaces that in our community. And also I think a lot of the spaces that are in our community are really gatekept. Um, and I think another issue that I see is how more, more and more people are starting to turn away from like alcohol too, or, or like less focused on alcohol. So there's a lot of stuff in our society that is like very focused around alcohol. And we haven't really made the pivot to be like, we don't have to do that. Or like, maybe we'll like, you know, like we'll have a wine night, but like not everyone's going to get trashed. Yeah. And, and that is, I think we need to work on a rebranding within our group because we have a big segment of people that don't want to come because they don't drink. And like, I myself don't drink. I'm a very lightweight. And so I can't have a glass of wine and drive home. And I live out in the country. Like I live six minutes from town. So I have to drive to every single wine night. And so I don't, but I bring, I've done, there's some really good canned mocktails that are really fun because I don't drink pop either. Um, and so like canned mocktails or, you know, lemonade or hot chocolate in the winter or whatever, like I bring a drink, so I have something to sip on, but like, I don't drink. And so I try to communicate that because I'm like, you can come and not drink. Like we're literally just meeting, but we've also like had different events. Like that's why I started book club. And like, there are some people in our group that only go to book club. That's the only event they go to, but they come to it because, you know, they can come and interact and talk about books. And we started like a coffee date. So like every, the third Saturday of the month, we meet at our local coffee shop and talk about coffee and our kids and whatever. Right. You know, so it's, it's nice to be able to have like different outlets. And we have segments of like women without children and we have segments of women with children or segments of women with grown children you know and we even joined had a softball team and stuff like that so it's just nice to like kind of have those avenues because yeah not everybody wants to go to the local bar and drink um to meet people you know wow that's amazing it, it's um, a really awesome group it's I, I want I tell everybody like I in my town to start that and obviously <laughs> all fingers point to if you want it you should probably start it yourself um yeah. so our group got started we have like I don't know if other towns have like happenings pages so we have like a yeah. Facebook page so she just like posted the group in there and that's how we get people so um if you're looking to start it yourself we call it Lonsdale ladies it's our town name <laughs> um with the same name ladies after um, and we have started to be a little bit more rigorous about like letting people in because women are sharing like addresses and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so they do have to say like where they live and that they're, you know, uh, wanting to come and not harass people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, there should definitely be rules like don't sell 
pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> so that is that is my number one thing. Like, I'm really good friends with the admin. And I said, we cannot sell on this page. I said, I have a small business. I will never post in this page. I want other people to do the same because all of Facebook is selling stuff. And I want a little safe space where nobody is selling me anything. <laughs> right. It's it's so hard to find those like places where you're not feeling like you're constantly being pitched to. Yes. So. Well, this was an amazing conversation. Is there anything that we missed before I ask you my final question? I, I don't think so. I, I just can't believe that we started out talking about <laughs> butter and milk and we got here. <laughs> uh, it is a part of a great diet if you, if you want to include it in your diet because yeah. there's a lot of healthy fats and all that good stuff. I'll do a little pitch. <laughs> my dairy farmer friends will appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So um, my last question is always, what is your anti-MLMY? Um, I've been thinking about this. I should have had it prepared. Um, I I just want the next generation to be able to grow up in a different environment than we did. You know, I yeah. um, I would love for my children and like I only have sons but I would love for them to have a positive self-image of themselves and I feel like so much of MLMs is um about being pretty you know whether that's skinny or wrinkle free or whatever I I just want them to be able to love themselves and and I also want to be able to like see something I want to buy on the internet and not have to worry about if it's an MLM product or I'm supporting a commercial cult. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. And like I said earlier, I, I think that it's just so important that we are educating the younger education, uh, the younger education, the younger generation, um, because they, there are so many things that are bright and shiny in our world. And, you know, this podcast and other podcasts and other you know, creators in the anti-MLM space have really shown us that MLMs look bright and shiny on the outside, but they take away your bright and shiny on the inside. And that's so sad. And I hate to think that there is, you know, there are new people turning 18 every single day that, um, you know, could be vulnerable to this and they could get their bright and shiny taken away just you know one more way that our world takes tries to dull our sparkle and I I hate that for us yeah and don't let your daughters do pageants I will say (laughs) absolutely (laughs) they they don't need to be in that because you can start them as a team and I also know the woman who is now the president of Miss America and uh, she made me cry many times so would would not encourage women to join the Miss America organization. So I'd like to stick that out there too. Oh yeah. I mean, pageants, I I feel like I haven't ever heard a positive pageant story. Um, you know, I mean, definitely... there are, there are positive things that came from right. that, you know, like I probably wouldn't have wanted, like after meeting the secretary of agriculture, like mm-hmm. I wanted to become the secretary of agriculture and that's still a goal. And like, I wouldn't have had that opportunity had I not been in pageants, but the over and like women all the time would be like, Oh, I learned how to like eat healthy from being in pageants. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> sure. Our definite definition of eating healthy is different. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and like, that's a, that's an issue with like these things because I remember at one point I would have said the same thing about Beachbody. I would have said that I learned how to eat healthy from Beachbody and um, 
as we know today, like that is very much not true. I learned how to have an eating disorder from Beachbody and that's um, not fun. So 10 out of 10, don't recommend. <laughs> um, you know, I think that there needs to be more education for our kids about eating, like eating healthy for our minds and for our, our physical health. And that is just so important because there's so much food shaming that happens and it, it's just not okay. And that's something we've been working really hard in our household is like, there's no good food and bad food. Like, yeah. like I get, you want to have dessert, but we need to, we really break it down to like carbs, proteins, like this is what your body needs. And these are the nutrients that this certain food is providing for your body. And mm-hmm. so with my son, I really stress like, we need to have some protein before you dive into that ice cream, you know, like, and, and each food has a role and we need all of those in our body. Um, but we need to make sure that, you know, we're balancing it. And so it's been really hard to like not project, you know, those things that I went through onto him. And so that's been part of my work is working on it myself. So then he can understand. And, um, you know, I think he's making pretty good strides and, you know, being a five-year-old that understands that like, you know, protein can help your muscles and, you know, our brain literally runs on glucose. We need carbohydrates in our body, like in order to function, (laughs) you know, so they provide an important role. We just have to have balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that because it is so true. Um, And I know that some people really do struggle with um, balancing all of that and just know that you know, taking it one step at a time is absolutely okay. And you don't have to do everything all at once. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was awesome. Um, do you want to shout out your farm? Yeah. So if you think baby goats and piglets are cute, um, you can follow us on TikTok. We're at new frontier farms, LLC. Um, that's kind of been where the bulk of my energy has been going. Um, but we are also on Instagram at new frontier farms, LLC too. So lots of cute little animals and kids. Oh, nice. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and, um, see you next time. Maybe. (laughs) Bye. Hey, Huns, I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about Acorn. And no, this is not a sponsored ad. Acorn is a robo-investing account that I've been using to manage my money since I've started my own small business. I honestly had no idea what I was doing in regards to saving for the future, but knew I needed to start somewhere and thought this was a great way to get the ball rolling. I really like the interactive graphics and watching what's going on with my money. If this is something that you feel interested in, feel free to click the link in my bio to start your own Acorn account, and we'll both get $5 added in our accounts for our investing future. Happy savings!